Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus in this place. Tell you what, it is great to see so many of you here, uh, so many faces, and we are finishing our series on the gospel. Um, so uh, really excited that you're here for that, and I just want to kind of catch everybody up in the room if you haven't been with us. In fact, new community, if you'd help me with this, we're going to put this image up on the screen. We're just going to share what is the gospel. It's the question we've been answering through the last five weeks. What is it? I want you to help me out. Uh, it's that this, that Jesus came for you. Come on. He died for you. He rose again. Let me hear you. For you. He ascended for you, and he's coming back. For you. That is the gospel message. That is the good news of Jesus. And it's not just good news for the world, but it's good news for you. It's powerful and so powerful because it's so personal. And uh, we're, I'm excited to finish this off. In fact, this last one, he, he is coming back for you is what we're talking about today. But if there's any aspect of the gospel message that I tend to steer clear from, it's this one. Can I just be honest with you? Like, this is the one that for me, I just, I, it's a massive, it's a pillar of Jesus' message. So significant for what he said and how he taught. But for me, I just, I've just had a hard time with it. And, and I don't know, this might just be me, but I feel like a lot of times when, it, when people talk about Jesus coming back or talk about Jesus' return, I feel like it's just used like a scare tactic. Anybody else feel that? Like, every Armageddon movie you've ever seen, Every Kirk Cameron movie that comes out, I'm like, it must be about the, you know, Jesus. Every, if you don't know that, you should, there's a whole series I'll introduce you to. Um, it's what we did as teenagers. And so, uh, there, but every, like, everything that happens, uh, every, 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 raptures and crazy stories, you know, it just kind of freaks me out. Like, I, you know, and I know there's stuff like that in the Bible, but the way it's taught, the way it's been used, the way I've ex just experienced, I guess, it's just like, it's just this fear tactic to get me to just, like, straighten up and, like, Man, make sure you're not like on the flames of hell. Like, you know, like, is anybody else just like, amen. sometimes, thank you. So, don't, well, maybe don't amen that, but you know what I mean? Like, that's what, uh, that is seriously how it feels to me. But it's so important to Jesus. And I think the reason that it's important, I think it, it just, it's good to ask why. It's good to think about why. It's good to ask, well, if this is so central, so key to the full gospel message of Jesus then why is it important to me? And why is it important to you? Why does the end of the story, the end of history matter so much? And that's what I hope to answer for you today. In fact, I think there's a principle that really applies in so many different areas of life that would help us kind of as we start this conversation. Here's a principle. I love it. I've taught it actually before. It's this one. It's this. When you have the end in mind, you focus on what matters, Right? I mean, that's true. I mean, think about it. When it's your last year of high school, I mean, you're thinking about the end a lot more. It's your last homecoming dance. Some of you, it's the last Friday nights under the lights. It's your last semester. I mean, it's your, your, it's your last chance. You're, you're figuring out so much, and, and you're just thinking about it. It's, it's, when you have the end in mind, it just changes the focus a bit. I mean, that's true in a job if you're transitioning. You know, you're trying to hand off clients and Close up relationships and make sure they're handed off well. You're trying to make sure the person behind, hopefully you're making sure the person behind you, you know, is coming in well and you're kind of sealing things up. It just, when you have the end in mind, it kind of changes what matters. You focus on it a little different. That's true in relationships, right? I mean, 
when you just, you know, like, man, this is coming to an end. And like, there's just, we're going to, something's a little different. Or friends from school, or your friends move, or you're getting ready to go to college, or you're getting ready to leave college, or, or, or so many things. Or maybe there's a loved one that, you know, it's just, it's, they're going to transition in life. And like, you, you just got, you've only got so much time, right? It brings a focus. It, it brings an intentionality. Sometimes it brings an urgency that otherwise just isn't there. When you have the end in mind, you focus on what matters. And I really think that was Jesus' point when he kind of made this so central, the end of the story so central to why he came and why it's good news for you. And if I can just be clear, Jesus' return and the way he taught about it and how he taught, it was never meant to be a scare tactic. No, actually, I think it's an incredible representation of how good of a leader Jesus was. Because when you're a leader, part of a great leader is someone who knows how to show his followers the future in such a way that it gives hope, it gives direction. You know, a great leader knows how to use words and pictures and stories to cast vision for motivation. All those things are exactly the way that Jesus talked about his return, and the end of the story. And that's why I think it's so important that you and I lean into it. Out of all four of the eyewitness accounts, we call them the Gospels when we look at them in, in Scripture. They're in our New Testament. Out of all four of those, Matthew probably has the most content that talks about Jesus' comeback, Jesus coming back at the end. There's actually, in Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25, the, the whole, those, both those chapters, they just cover the whole topic there's four parables, kind of a, a style of teaching from Jesus. Four of them are in, that, uh, in those two chapters. All four of those speak about the end. We're going to actually look at one of them today. But Matthew just kind of captures all of that uh, and, and really the, the bulk of that. But the reality is every one of those four eyewitness accounts, every one of those four gospels talks about this. In fact, Jesus just talks about it all the time, everywhere. With everyone. He's like my mother. Like, I just, like, it's just, a, it's just what do you talk about? I mean, but seriously, and, and it's not just that he had specific stories like, okay, now I'm going to have a series on a Sunday. I'm going to talk about this. He wove it into everything. I mean, just, you're going to, if you haven't already read the Gospels, you can still jump in and read through. You will see him talking about it in almost every conversation because it matters, because it matters to you. And so my hope today, really, my hope today, we're going to look at two significant themes to Jesus' comeback, his return, and why that matters, and why it's good news for you. It's not bad news. It's not bad news like sometimes it's, it's shared, but it's good news for you, and why it can add value to your life today. That's good to say bueno. Is that good? Bueno. That's kind of where we're going so really, if you're taking notes or you got your phone, you can just jot this down. There's really only two things I'm going to show you, and here's the first one right here. It's that Jesus' return gives me assurance. Assurance. I want you to look at this, what John, Jesus' best friend, wrote down. He, he records Jesus saying this to them. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Come on, some of you came in and your hearts are just overwhelmed today. I mean, you've just been crushed. Jesus is speaking to you and saying, don't be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. There is more than enough, more than enough room in my father's home. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you 
so that you will always be with me where I am. Come on, the promise of Jesus' return is this. There's a peace and an assurance that God is with you, that God's got you. God knows you. He sees you. He's got your world. He's got your life. He's got you. And even your worst day will not be your last day. Come on. Even that, the worst word that could ever be spoken over your life, that is not your last word because Jesus is coming back. Come on. Those divorce papers, they don't have the final say. That doctor's report, it does not have the final say. That addiction, it does not have the final say. That, that disease, it doesn't have the final say. Come on, Nuko. The things that have been spoken of your life, that abuse you've experienced, that pain you've gone through, it doesn't have to be the final say. Your worst day will not be your last day because when Jesus comes back for you, he will wipe every tear from your eye. Come on, look at this in Revelation. Jesus will do it. He will wipe every tear from your eye. And he will, there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. No, but all these things will be gone in your life forever. That is the promise that comes with Jesus' message. And he wanted to make sure that no matter what you walk through, you would know he has the final say. He has the last word. Come on, give a good old bueno for that. That is what happens when we trust God and we trust this promise from him in the gospel. But the truth is, while this is a great hope and an assurance, that's not all the hope is for. In fact, let me say it this way. Jesus' return was meant to do more than make you safe. It was meant to make you brave. Jesus' return, it wasn't just about making sure you were safe and comforted, although 100% our God of compassion who loves you and knows you and sees you who has seen your darkest moments, the tears you have cried. There's a psalm that says, man, he has bottled every tear you cried. He has watched over every sleepless night. That's the God who loves you and that assures you. But it's more than just keeping you safe in life. Jesus talks so much about his return because he wanted to make you brave. He wanted to make you brave. Come on. About a century ago, there was a group of missionaries that became known as actually one-way missionaries. It was what their, uh, how their story has been told. And I just want to share some of that with you. They purchased one-way tickets, not plane tickets. Remember, this is a century ago. So they purchased one-way boat tickets. I don't know what kind of, what do you call a boat ticket? But they, they uh, uh, cruise, not, it's not a cruise. They pur purchased one-way tickets to the mission field. And instead of using suitcases, they packed all their belongings in coffins. Come on, that is, that's legit. So we've got some Nuco coffins for y'all on the way out of here. <laughs> we branded them. Just joking. Just joking. It's too expensive. Um, uh, anyways, here's what these one-way missionaries, this is what they did. They left everything they knew. They left everyone they loved, and they sailed away. Why would they do this? Because they had such a strong hope. They had such a hope that no matter what they faced, it wouldn't be the end, but that Jesus was coming back for them. 
A.W. Millen was one of those missionaries, and he sailed off to the, let me say this right, because I had to look this up and ask Siri how to say this. He sailed off for the new Haberdees Islands in the South Pacific. Those are islands that are specifically known for uh, just the way that they, they would kill people who would come into their spaces. And uh, A.W. Millen, when he went there, he knew, he fully knew that every other missionary who tried to go to those islands, they were killed instantly. They were martyred for being there. But he packed all his belongings in a coffin. He bought a one-way ticket, and he sailed to those islands. And miraculously, he lived among those people for 35 years. And when he died, the elders of all the villages came together, and they buried him in the center of their community, right in the center. And they put up a tombstone, and this is what they inscribed on it. Before he came, there was no light. But when he left, there was no darkness. Come on, what could God do? What could God do with you? Here's my question for you. Have you really embraced the full gospel? Have you really seen what God can do with a fully surrendered you? Have you really given all of yourself, not knowing that Jesus just came for you, that he died for you, that he was raised from the dead and he ascended for you, but that Jesus is coming back for you so that you can be all in on his mission. You can be all in on his kingdom coming to the darkest places in the world, to the darkest places in our community. Come on, have you gone all in on this mission with Jesus? This quote from an author named Mark Batterson, it challenges me so deeply. I want to share it with you. He says it this, so many of us, we are too Christian to enjoy sin and we are too sinful to enjoy Christ. We've got just enough Jesus to be informed, but not enough to be transformed. Come on, Jesus doesn't want you to just be informed. God wants to do something in your life, and God wants to do something through your life. And Jesus' return was not meant to just keep you safe. It was meant to make you brave, confident, fully trusting in a God who has you who's got you. But I think there's just one insight. In fact, I think this leads us to this second point. It's only the second thing I want you to write down. Remember, it's this, is that Jesus's return, it gives me a purpose. A purpose. You see that assurance? A purpose? Come on. I thought that was good. Anyways, <laughs> it gives you a purpose. And, and, and I just, I think that's so vital for you and me. Listen, the life God designed for you, it's so important, it's so valuable. Here's the sobering truth about this idea and what God has for us, what God has for you. The sobering idea is this, is it's a purpose that you and I will be held accountable to. In fact, it's so prevalent when Jesus talks about his coming back. He talks about this idea that you and I will stand before Jesus, the king, and he will ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? And each one of us will give an account for the life, for the relationships, for the minutes, the moments we've been given. And maybe for you, that's where you push back. Like, man, I, if that's the kind of God we have, I don't want that kind of God. If that God is supposed to be loving, I don't understand how that's loving. And if that's kind of the wrestle in you, I just want to say, while you're asking, why would a God who loves me do that to me? I want to tell you why. Because you matter. 
and because your life matters, and because your life is not wasted space, but actually God had a design and a purpose for you, specifically for you. God saw the world. He saw this generation. He saw this community. He saw a need there, and he designed you perfectly to fill it. God did not call you to Hanover. Come on. I mean, God did call you to Hanover. You didn't pick this. I mean, who picks the sticks besides Patrick Henry? But seriously, and we did. We did too. But you know what I mean? Like, God's the one who calls this year. God's the one who chose where you were born. God's the one who chose the generation you were born in. Thank the Lord for electricity and, you know, cell phones and all kinds. Thank God he chose this one. But this is our chance. And it's not to be wasted. He wants to use you. He wants you to live your life brave, on purpose, on mission with him. And here's the insight that for some of you will completely transform how you view your life from this point forward. I think this has the power to change your life right here. God's purpose for you, your life is not a what, but it's a who. It's a who. I want you to just listen to how Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply to the king, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger, naked or in prison? And the king will reply, when you slow down and you focused on what mattered and you kind of let go of some of those comforts that were holding you back. Some of those self-proclaimed priorities that really aren't that big of a deal. And you started living with the end in mind. And you focused on what matters. And you did these things for the least and the last in your community. And they're in the motels on Brook Road. And they're, they're living in our communities and our neighborhoods. And they're, they're literally next door, or maybe they're, they're down the street, or maybe they're in your kid's class, or maybe they're in the dorm hall just down the, just, just down the hall from you. Maybe, maybe they're people that you work with, people in your family that everybody else has written off. And God's looking for a new community of people who will live their life on purpose for a who, like we like to say it, for a one. And if I can just share, I mean, that is why this week I, I got so just like I, just a breath of fresh air when we got to celebrate what you were a part of, what we were a part of, when we did this whole reveal party for the family visitation room project that we renovated at the Department of Social Services. And if you didn't hear about it, I just want to share a little bit of what we did. Seven months ago, 
we met with the Department of Social Services, the DSS, and just we toured this room. It's called the Family Visitation Room, and we learned uh, where, what it's used for. That room is located on Brook Road, about a mile from here, and what it's used for is for every, every child who comes into the services of the Department of Social Services, every child that's in there through foster care or adoption or if they need to be rescued out of an unsafe situation, this is the room where that child goes to stay, to be held until they're placed or they're transitioned into some kind of care or long-term care or even short-term care. This is like the, this is where they go, no matter what. Uh, and so we went to this room. We met with the leadership of the DSS, and they were telling us about this. And while in that room, there can be some incredible moments of reconciliation and joy and peace, we often realized it broke our hearts when we learned that for our kids in our community, some of their worst days are found in this room. And they can be anywhere from ages 2 years to 17 years old. And they can find themselves in this room maybe for a few hours, but far too often they're there for days, even weeks at a time. And when you walked into that room, it was bare paint, I mean, random office furniture that they had just kind of pulled. I mean, just they didn't have the resources to do anything else. It's where interviews happen. It's where if, if a cop had to rescue you from an unsafe situation, that cop took you to this room to have a hard conversation with a parent or the guardian or you know, the social workers there. I mean, just imagine the emotion, the emotional challenging. I mean, how challenging this is for a little kid in our community. And the county just said, hey, we love for this space to be different. Just when they walk in the door, they just have a different experience. And I don't know about you. In fact, I think I do know about you. I think I know something very well about you is all of us know that, that the environment we're in can really change our experience and our expectation, right? That's why, you know, anniversary dates at Taco Bell don't work till year 15. Like, you've got you to gotta wait till you drop that hammer. Anyways, don't do that. Um, seriously, right? Your environment sets your expectations. And we just, we were in this room and we were just kind of shell-shocked. I mean, it's, I don't know how to explain it to you, but it, it felt like prison. There's a two-way mirror that you see when you open the door just to know you're being watched 24-7 when you're in that room. I mean, just that's what's being communicated. And, and, and our hearts broke, and we just had this vision. What if we didn't just paint the room and put a new furniture in there? There was no bed there. Kids had to sleep in that room. There was a little couch, like as big as two seats, literally, two theater seats. I mean, that's what they experienced. And, and, and what if we flip this experience for a child so that it would elevate them from this really challenging to where they would walk in just wowed and their imagination would just be wowed. Like, this is what's here for me. It would elevate them into an experience of hope. What if we could do that? And I'll tell you what, when we started dreaming like that, we, we came up with a plan that cost over, uh, I mean, close to $40,000. I know. Think about it. $40,000, but we were able to raise that in 15 days. We had over two dozen organizations say yes to being a part of that. Every one of you who gave to new, give to New Community, you're a part of that. In fact, let me just tell you something. When you give to NUCO, you don't just give to the church. You give to God's work through the church. Come on. And so you were a part of that. Some of our team, they spent time in that room. They painted that room. They built furniture. They assembled things. They put it together. And this Monday, we stood with the DSS and revealed this room. Go ahead and put it up for them. This is what we were able to give the kids in our community. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate that. Mm -hmm. 
what we were able to see, we, we were in there with about 40 or 50 DSS workers. We had policemen who were there, people from the county, county officials who walked through this room and saw it. And I had one of the cops pull me aside and said, you know what? We've sat in this very room dozens of times and dreamed about what it could look like. And what we all came to the conclusion was, is no one will do that. No one will spend that money. No one will spend that that time on this room. No one will think about that. No one's going to do that. But you know what the, our community heard? Is that the church will. That the church is going to be a, a, a community and not just one church, the church in Hanover. We're going to work together and we're going to look for the ones that nobody sees. And we're going to think about the ones who are last and are the least. And we're going to do something about their situation here and now. We can live brave. We can go to organizations and raise money. We can start new nonprofits. We can dream big dreams. Why? Because Jesus is coming back and he's got our day. And so he just wants us to live our lives on purpose for a who, not a what. Come on. Isn't that awesome? So here's my challenge for us, though, if I can go there. I think this is a great step, but I think it's only a first step. I think, in fact, the worst thing we could do as a new community is do this and then never show up again, right? Because today there's 1,600 kids in Virginia, in our state alone, who are waiting to be adopted. Over 500 of them this year will age out. And unfortunately, the statistics say that of those 500, 60% will be addicted to drugs within the next two years, that um, over half of them fall into sex trafficking. Come on, listen, this is 500 of our kids in our community. That's what they're going to experience. That's what the stats say. And I just feel like God is looking at you and me and he's saying, what matters? What matters? Does their end, does the end of their life matter? And I love Sundays, but come on, let's be a new community lives for something bigger than that, yeah? And I'll tell you, you do not have to adopt to be present and to make a difference in the lives of those 500 kids, those 1,600 kids in our state. In fact, I'm praying that some of you right now, God is just dropping vision. It's dropping a a, a burden in your heart to live your life on purpose, to do something about it. And I'm praying that you'll come and find us afterwards and say, hey, I'm ready to give the gift of time, to give the gift of my energies, my resources, that you'll, you'll do something for the kids in our community. I'm praying that you'll do something like that because we're ready with practical steps. We know exactly the person to connect you to, the organization we can connect you to, so you can right here, right now, make a difference. And that's why, that's why this comeback matters. Good? Can I share one more with you? Is that okay? Two weeks ago, Hannah and I met with an elementary school. It's in Glen Allen. It's about five miles away from our theater. It's actually within a five-mile radius, so it's closer than that. Um, but it's called Trevette Elementary. And you can go ahead and put the picture up, uh, what they're doing this week. Here's Trevette Elementary. Um, and here's the thing about Trevette. Trevette is, while it's very close to us, the community that Trevette serves is very different from us. First off, there's 17 first languages represented in that elementary school. Come on. So, like, 
Think about, you know, it's, it's tough enough to put out an email from a teacher in Spanish and English. Just imagine 17 languages. Like, how are we communicating to all these people? And Google's just not that good, right? Like, for real. So, 17 first language, over 60% of the schools on free and reduced lunch. One out of four kids in this, in this school, one out of four kids is living in a fractured home. They either don't have a mom, or they don't have a dad, or they're living with their grandparents. They're in some sort of situation like this. And, and the thing about it is, th this school has got great parents. They, they're supportive. The PTA is super supportive. But they're just living they, their, their stage of life, their, the access they have, the jobs they have. They don't, they don't have time to invest in the school. They just don't have that gift to give. In fact, at my elementary school, there's a waiting list for volunteers. And, and when Hannah and I met with this, the leadership team of Trevette, and they said this, we're just, we need you to come. We need your church to come invest in our school. And we said, well, tell us about the volunteers. Tell us about the volunteer list. And they said, it's empty. It's empty. Over 500 kids. And yes, those teachers are heroes, right? But Halloween's tomorrow. I mean, pray for them, please, number one, right? Like, that's going to be a crazy day. But seriously, just... A school, a public school in our community is asking the church to see some kids that nobody else is, just has time to see. My question is, do you? Do we have time? We're, we're, I'm, we have an opportunity. In fact, I want to give you two opportunities with Trevette. This is what they've asked us to do. And I'm just going to say, hey, we're, I'm going to take it to my church to see what we can do. The first one is this. Can, do you have the gift of time? We're looking for a team who can maybe just invest one hour a month, maybe one hour every other week just to be there, to read to some of these kids, to spend time with some of these kids. They, they said that there are some parents that will come in and eat lunch with kids, and then there are some other kids that never have parents come, and they just want somebody to come eat lunch. Like, will you just be a lunch buddy? Come and do that kind of thing with, with some kids who don't have that. They, they're just, you know, they're begging teachers to eat with them, and just, there's not an opportunity. Would you come and do some things like that? Would you come and just help us bless the teachers and bless the staff there? Would you be a part of that? What would it look like this year for you just give an hour a month to be a part of that? Could you do that? Do you have that gift you can give? Here's the second opportunity they asked. They said, we know, just out of the families we know, we know there's some families that struggle to make it week by week, and we try to do something. There's an, a, a, a nonprofit, England Allen, that gives the school enough money to pay for turkeys every year so that they can hand out, they hand out 40 turkeys of 40 different families um, and last year, we've helped them, like, do the shopping for that. They've, all the money's been provided on that end, and we just kind of helped fill it in. But, but this year, we said, what can we do to be a little bit more intentional to make sure that it's not just providing a meal, but it's really doing something in the name of Jesus that lets families know that they're seen and they're cared for? And so part of our team here at New Community met with the leadership of that school, and we came up with this idea for Thanksgiving. And we're going to try to adopt 40 families the turkeys have already been provided. What we're going to do is we're going to fill 40 boxes with, with the rest of the Thanksgiving goods. You know, green beans and like a stuffing pack. The great thing is there's a list outside of the, uh, in the hallway right now. We've already come up with everything. They want all the, the boxes to be uniform. So the idea is like you just got to get these items. All we're asking you to get on the list maybe $30, $35 worth of stuff, and you can give some a family a Thanksgiving meal. But don't just give them the food. We're asking everybody, when you adopt someone, write a note. 
Put a scripture in there. Pray, pray a prayer of blessing over them in the note. Let, it, let them know, hey, God sees them, and we see you too. We are with you, and so is God. That's the kind of heart we want to do to adopt 40 families at Trevette. I'm telling you this right now because the last day to, 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 um, for, they, need these, uh, they need these by November 21st, which is a Monday. So that means by November 20th. We got to have our boxes in here at New Community by November 20th. That's the whole idea. And this just came up, and we just said, hey, let's live on purpose. Let's get a little brave. Wendy, uh, Wendy Mason is one of the ones who, she's done things like this before. She's actually helping lead and organize this. And here's what she's done over the past few years when she's helped at schools like this. Is she, she actually, she had two daughters, and she wanted to make sure each daughter, she would adopt a family per daughter so that, it became part of their experience. And I'm just saying, what would it look like if you got kids, that your kids, like this is what they do for Thanksgiving. Hey, we're grateful for what we have, but we're actually going to be generous and make sure we're thinking about someone who doesn't have. And that family can become part of your Thanksgiving and the part of how you pray and part of how you, you talk about what it means to be grateful and generous. And man, think about what that could do for your family, for your kids, to have that kind of legacy in their life. And I just want to present it to you. When you walk out of here, you can grab a, a flyer and just let them know, hey, I got one. I got two. I got three. Let, let's do this, Nuko. Let's, let's be a church that lives on purpose, that lives on mission, that we're willing to let go of whatever's, whatever's not important because we know the end. And so we focus on what matters. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.